Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Erin Summers. The Saints are back in New Orleans for a few weeks as they work towards the season opener at Atlanta on September 11th and their last preseason game this Friday against the Chargers. The team got a taste of playing in front of their home crowd at the Saints open practice at the Superdome on Sunday. You can check out pictures, video, interviews at NewOrleansSaints.com. Quarterback Jameis Winston continues to work back from his right foot sprain. He participated in full team work today. Wide receiver Michael Thomas did not attend practice for the second day in a row. Head coach Dennis Allen said Thomas is dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury. At this point in camp, there are a lot of bumps and bruises across the roster. Did not seem too worried about Thomas missing time. Today's guest is former Saints linebacker, Super Bowl champion, and current NFL analyst Jonathan Vilma. We talk camp, the Saints preseason games, and position battles. Here's our conversation. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I really appreciate the time. Uh, it was fun calling the game with you the past two weekends, and we have one more coming up. But how are you doing? I guess you're back in Miami. You settled in for the week before you headed to New Orleans. Yeah, uh, able to catch up on you know some of the highlights from some of the other games. And, you know, as you said, it was fun calling these first two games and really getting a, a different perspective on the team. You know, you, you kind of get one perspective outside of Saints organization where uh, everyone likes to term rebuilding. And then you think about what the Saints have as far as personnel and the continuity and the coaching staff and players. And you say, well, I don't know about rebuilding, but you could you could definitely say reloading for this year. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of good additions to the team. The first two games, I don't think, are indicative of what we're going to see this upcoming season. But so far through the first two games, anybody or anything that stood out to you? Yeah, I would say the first uh, the, the first thing that stood out was the discipline and the fundamentals really being coached uh, by Dennis Allen and the rest of the coaching staff. Uh, on both sides of the football, you see uh, a lot of effort plays and finish plays. And I think that's been uh, very refreshing to to see that um, because the young guys, you know, the starters aren't really playing. They're not even dressing. And so for the young guys to be going out there and playing that hard, you know, as a as a former player, I always said that's a sign of coaching. Right. You're you're either allowing them to do that or you're coaching them to do it. So they're doing a really good job as far as the fundamentals and their technique. Uh, You could see it very clearly in that Houston game. Uh, Green Bay, you saw it as well. Uh, Green Bay was a better team, though, um, so you could tell that they had they had good coaching as well. Uh, I'd say the second thing I noticed was the the aggressive nature of a lot of the offensive players on special teams, and it doesn't get noticed a lot, but usually you have linebackers, safeties, you know, maybe a, a smaller defensive end that make up your core special teams, punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. Yet I see Tony Jones running down there making a ton of plays. Uh, Kurt Merritt, he made plays in kickoff coverage and uh, punt coverage and, or excuse me, kickoff return and punt coverage and kickoff coverage. So, you know, seeing offensive guys 
that are really uh, fighting to make the team. They have that defensive mindset when special teams comes around. You know, those things, they, they go a long way because the toughness, it's what's going to take you far along with the technique. It's not always just about the scheme. I think a lot of players are realizing that they're going to have to you know, make their value on this team known on special teams. They're, that's where they're going to make the, the roster. Players that may, may have gotten more playing time last season just because of the additions, especially on offense. As mm-hmm. you mentioned, we're seeing players like Marquez Calloway, Tony Jones Jr., um, Juan Baker, Kevin White. I mean, those were players that were pretty frequently in the rotation on the offensive side of the ball last season, but just don't have that opportunity this year. I think we talked to was special teams coordinator, Darren Rizzi, that said across the board, he thought this was the most competitive, talented roster that he's ever you know seen in his time here over the past four seasons. How difficult is it for a player to kind of shift their mindset and accept that their role might be on special teams? Initially, I would say difficult, but when you're a professional, you do what you need to do and uh, you don't, you know, you put your ego to the side, you put your pride to the side and you say, all right, the main goal is to make the team. Mm -hmm. And how can I make the team? All right, this is how I can make the team. And, you know, things change year by year. That's either, you know, whichever way you want to look at the beauty of the NFL or, you know, the anxiety of the NFL, whichever way you want to. Uh, take a look at it so you know for players that made the team last year all of a sudden things change and frankly they change because you didn't have a ton of success last year right so you go nine and seven but the expectations for the saints are well past nine and seven and barely making the playoffs right so you know understanding what happened last year and then really having a, a a real conversation with yourself as a player and saying you know, did we lose because of me or did we lose in spite of my performance, right? Or did we win because of my performance or did we win in spite of my performance? And when you have those conversations with yourself in the off season, then you prepare yourself mentally for what's going to happen coming into the next season. So, you know, for veterans that, that understand that, and understand what it what it means to make the team and how you have to go about making the team. It can change year in and year out. I don't think it's a hard adjustment because, you know, to be honest, it's all just football, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, they know how to make tackle just because you're running back. You know how to tackle guys, right? You know how to be aggressive if you want to be. So, you know, it shouldn't be that hard of an adjustment for them. A lot of emphasis has been put on being a physical team offensively, whether that is being a receiver that also blocks at times or a running back is very physical player on the team as far as, you know, what they're asked to do, the tight end role. Um, And speaking to Taysom Hill and Jawan Johnson, they're players that have made transitions into a tight end position. How hard is it to kind of adapt to a new role? I mean, Taysom Hill, especially just coming off a season where he was asked to be a quarterback. Yeah, so that that is a little different than just going out and playing special teams, yeah. right? Special teams, you're running around, get off a block, make a tackle. Uh, the the difficult part for adjusting to a new position for Taysom Hill and Jawan Johnson is you, you you almost go through phases. The first phase is understanding the tight end position, which is you know okay, you take three steps out route, you know uh, 
all right, coach says in the zone, I got to sit in the middle of the field. If it's man, I got to go across. That's the first part. Then the second phase is now finding the little nuances at that tight end position, right? Because as a linebacker, yeah, I can tell you the basics of it, but to actually go out and tell you the little nuances that I played with that took years and years and years of practice and practice. And, you know, they had to figure out a way to speed up that process, which is tough. It's very tough. And, you know, the coaches have to also understand that this is new for them and it's nuanced for them. So, you know, that part is definitely a hard transition. And then you have to do it while going against some of the best athletes on the defensive side, right? They're going up against usually the defensive ends, which are, aside from cornerbacks, the highest paid players are extremely athletic. Uh, and if they're not going against them, they're going against a blitzing safety or an outside linebacker. So, you know, that that just adds another degree of difficulty for them getting used to that position. And, you know, the only thing I can tell them is time on task. Mm-hmm. You, that you just have to get more and more reps at it. There's no magic to it. There's no secret formula. Yeah, Hill was targeted twice in the game on Friday against the Packers. He only had that one catch for 10 yards. Do you think that he's you know, going to be frequently used in that role this year? I sure hope so. He's very athletic, uh, big. He's clearly not afraid of contact. Uh, I mentioned it in the game uh, when we were broadcasting the game that I don't want him to fall into uh, one of the tendencies. And as a defensive player or a defensive coach, you always look for that one guy when he comes in, all of a sudden the uh, percentages skew one way or another. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want it to be where Taysom Hill comes in and all of a sudden the run pass percentage goes flip-flop, you know, 80% pass, 20% run when Taysom Hill's in the game. Because now I know how to play it. And as a, as a coach, I know how to call it. Uh, same thing where if he's on the line of scrimmage, it's 90% run away from him as opposed to 50-50 run to him or run away. Again, you can call defenses accordingly and you play accordingly. So that would be my only thing with Taysom. I I would love to see him get a ton of opportunities. He's extremely athletic, extremely competitive. Uh, So it's just a matter of being able to keep that offense balanced when he's in the game. A couple other players I want to ask you about on the offensive side before we go defense. Ian Book got to play the entire game. He said himself there's things that he needs to clean up. Obviously, he's not going to be the first or second option for the Saints once the season starts. But how have you seen him progress or or kind of just kind of he's gotten a lot more reps than he had last year. Should just maybe get a little more comfortable. Yeah, that first game was tough. It was it was tough to watch. And uh, the second game, he did get better. Uh, the the problem with Ian Book are the turnovers. And it, it doesn't matter if it was his fault, not his fault, whatever it is. You know, you look and you say when Andy Dalton was in, and granted it was only for a limited amount of time, it was boom, 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 down the field, touchdown. And then when Ian Book goes in, it's not boom, 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 down the field, touchdown. It's, you know, sporadic and a little chaotic and you have some turnovers. Um, you know, as a young player, I always would think about focusing on one thing at a time. And I get the sense Ian Book is trying to focus on everything all at once, Mm -hmm. which means not focusing on anything. And so if if I'm him, you know, first thing I want to do is go back to uh, my technique. I would, I would even go, go to practice early or stay after late with Josh Andrews, work on the snap. 
I mean, that that's just basic one-on-one. Figure that out, get that squared away, right? Then the next thing would be going in and saying, all right, I want to make sure that my feet are set, I'm, I'm, my elbow's up, my mechanics are right when I'm going into these throws because the throws are a little inconsistent. So, you know, if I'm in book, I really have to start to take a look at just my fundamentals, my mechanics to stop the worst thing that you can happen, which is turn the ball over. You stop that, and then coach can work with everything else. But if you're turning the ball over, it's like a running back that fumbles all the time. We can't play you if you fumble the football, right? You got to figure out how to stop doing that. It doesn't matter if you go for 70 yards, you got to hold on to the football. Um, so once he understands that uh, part of the game and how important it is to hold on to the football, protect the football, uh, I think he'll be all right. Somebody that we're hoping to see a lot more of is the rookie Chris Olave. He had a, a great catch for that touchdown. Um, his first NFL touchdown, I think it was Book's first NFL um, touchdown as far as um, that goes as well. So it was good to see that moment for them to link up that way. But what have you seen from Olave? A lot of people just talk about how smooth he is, how fast he is. What stands out to you? It's the deceptive nature. They they all hit on it, and I'm seeing the same thing. It's mm -hmm. very, very uh, deceptive the way he comes off the line, and then all of a sudden he bursts into his route, and he's a lot quicker and faster than than people give him – I shouldn't say give him credit for. Everyone knew that, but it, it, it's almost like he surprises the defender mm -hmm. every time when he's doing it. Uh, so I've definitely seen that, and you know, I, I don't know the – relationship he has with Jameis yet I'm sure they've been throwing to each other uh, and trying to connect a lot but it's only going to really start to gel once the bullets are live once they get into the season and then really see you know that relationship and that connection so that's really what I'm waiting for right now you can tell why he was a first rounder he has all the tools athletically now it's a matter of putting it together on the field with Jameis you brought up something about maybe they don't know how fast he is. At what point do people realize what a player has, their abilities? You know, they always say like, oh, the, the tape's out on X player. How long do you think he has before people are like, all right, this is how what we need to do against him? Yeah, he has. He has probably three really good games before they say, OK, here we go. We got to double him. We'll start to rotate the coverage that way, uh, jam him with a linebacker, uh -huh. you know, things like that. So he's got about three really good games uh, before that happens. Now, he should hope that it does happen because if it does, that means Mike Tom Thomas is now going to get more one-on-ones, right? It means that Jarvis Landry is going to get some more opportunities in the slot if he's forcing a defense to, to roll coverage his way. And I think about, you know, Jamar Chase. I think about Justin Jefferson over in Minnesota. These wide receivers, they had about three really good games. There. Everyone's like, whoa, 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 okay. All right, mm -hmm. let, let's figure this out. Then the other players, like Adam Thielen from Minnesota, they all he started getting a lot of receptions. Then they're like, okay, we got to figure out how to now pick and choose when we're going to double these guys because they're so good. And then you end up having a lot of production anyway. So, you know, if you're Olave, you hope that that time comes. Uh, you hope that Mike Thomas and the other receivers, they they respond accordingly with more production, and then he'll start to get his uh, as the season goes on. How are people going to I cover the Saints offense? Well, if, if I'm looking, uh, first and foremost, I'm always going to stop the run. 
Uh, you have out. You have a great two-headed monster, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. Uh, you really have to get after them in the run game. If you can get after them in the run game, now you're going to be able to, uh, you know, drop these linebackers a little deeper in coverage. Uh, you're going to be able to have those safeties now all of a sudden get a little wider uh, in their coverage as well so that you can play over the top of an Alave or Mike Thomas or whoever it is. Uh, but, you know, a Camara marking them, that one-two combination is really good. Camara uh, is such a threat out of the backfield as well. So, you know, you're going to have to really uh, get goes back to that pick and choose mm-hmm. when you're going to be uber aggressive against a run in Camara and hope that it's not a pass or you're going to have to be uber conservative and play really, really soft in the run game and hope that they don't run it down your throat. Yeah, so I kind of skipped a couple weeks just because I'm excited to actually see our starters play. Um, We can kind of go back to Green Bay and talk about the defensive side of the ball. Uh, There's some depth, I think, that they're still trying to find in the linebacker position. Um, Other than that, they're pretty well stacked across the board. Any players that are making a name for themselves over the past couple weeks? You know, I wouldn't say made a name for themselves. Yeah, I wouldn't say any specific player. Uh, If you're talking about the linebackers, Chris Hansen, you know, he did a good job. Uh, I would say that they brought more comfort to the defense. And when we spoke with uh, co-defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, he said that uh, we're really concerned about the depth at linebacker. And then fortunately, they've gotten better as training camp has gone on and he's feeling more comfortable. And it goes back to the defense as a whole. When you really think about the defense, they're, they're no superstars, you know, outside of Cam Jordan, who's been a household name, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, you could say, uh, you know, has, has been a household name. Uh, and of course, the Mario Davis, after that, you're talking about eight other positions where, you know, it's almost been like a, a plug, plug and play, right? You get these big, uh, high effort guys that do well. They, they do a really good job. They get after it. They're very aggressive. Um, so I think that's where the the onus has been for these young guys in the defense to have that continuity in that regard. You didn't mention, you know, Tyron Matthew. He's obviously somebody that's done very well for himself over the years. How much is he going to change what they're able to do defensively? So I don't know if he changes uh, anything that they do defensively. Oh, it goes back to plug and play. Uh, Tyron Matthew has been, you know, a household name for other teams. And right. so, you know, he he is a pro's pro, as Coach Nielsen said. And I know everyone's excited to have him there. But I don't see the defense changing too much or the scheme of the defense changing too much with him. Uh, which is a good thing. It means that he's going to come in. He's going to, you know, uh, fill in that role very nicely that <clears throat> Malcolm Jenkins had last year. So uh, it, in that regard, it should be a lot of production from that position with Tyron. But uh, them actually doing anything different, I don't see it happening. I think he's adds the ability to create more turnovers with he's picked off. He has 26 interceptions, 13 in the last three seasons. So his productivity in that regard, I think, will add a lot to the defense. So oh, definitely. Hopefully that continues. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Remember, Coach Nielsen talked about it, said that yeah. he wanted to see 
more turnovers. Dennis Allen said wanted to get the ball punched out more. So he definitely brings that to the table. Yeah. Um, in special teams, we did not talk about Will Lutz being back on the field and just his ability to solidify that role, a role that they definitely were lacking last season, going through about four different kickers. Just seeing that ball go through the uprights at 59 yarder, how good does that feel for the rest of the team, really, just to have that security? I know it feels great. Uh, I remember, you know, when I was playing uh, my rookie year with the Jets, I actually lost in the playoffs to the Steelers on two missed field goals. Mm. So I know the pain of not having <laughs> a field goal kicker you can rely on. And so Will Lutz coming back, kicking that 59-yarder, it, it's such a, a relief if you're a player, you're a coach, because now you're not in this bind where you're like, do we go for it on fourth down? Do we not go for it? If we miss the field goal, they get great field position. You know, what do you do? And you have this weapon in Lutz where you say, go out there. Hey, go do it. Knock, yeah. it, <laughs> knock it through the upright. So I know that's a big relief. And especially now, the way that these games go, there's so many that are decided by three points or less. You know, teams are going into overtime because of a missed field goal, things like that. You need someone as talented as Lutz. Were you surprised at Gilligan's punt that went 81 yards? Oh, of course. You don't see that often. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was very surprised. I hadn't seen that in a long time. Everybody on the sideline, like, stopped and just, like, looked around at each other. And I was like, I mean, he's good. I've never seen him do that. He, <laughs> but, that one. Yeah, he put all of his leg into that one. He put, like, two legs into that one. Play. <laughs> he had tweeted that he actually got um, – flagged for a, a random drug test this morning so oh, of course yeah random <laughs> random drug test <laughs> yeah just got to make sure everything's good um he said uh post game that the returner he said lined up around like the 40 and he thought that was offensive and so that was where kind of some of the the, the feeling behind the kick came from is that he was like yeah. Well, you know what? I hope that he feels like every returner is doing something offensive to him. Right? <laughs> he punts the football. Let, let's hope he keeps that mentality. Yeah, for sure. All right. Preseason game number three. What what do the Saints do? What kind of starters do we see, if any? Um, I mean, I don't even know if we need to talk about the opponent or anything like that, but just what can we kind of expect from this this last dress rehearsal before the 53 man cut. Yeah. Uh, I'd be game. surprised if the uh, any, unless there's a position battle going on, I'd be surprised if any of the starters play. And, you know, while I'm saying that, I'm thinking about the positions and are there any real battles uh, across the board? And, you know, I don't see it, to be mm -hmm. honest. Uh, looking defensively, I don't see it. You have your safeties, you have your backers, you have your corners, uh, DNs are solid, D tackles. Uh, then you go across the offensive line, aside from the injuries uh, at the offensive tackle position, everything else is pretty much lined up, running backs as well, receivers. So, you know, I don't really see um, anybody playing that is seriously contending for a starting position. And so what you'll see is a lot of guys that are going to be playing special teams in particular to figure out, hey, can they consistently – make plays for us on special teams. And then, of course, you want to see what they can do offensively or defensively. Um, 
it's going to be when I say tough, tough in the sense that you're going to try to go out, play your best. Lord knows if you make a mistake, you're going to be sitting on that mistake after the game. Like, oh, this is the reason why I get cut. So you get you get a lot of uh, competitive preseason three number games or wait, preseason three. Yeah. yeah, season game three of the preseason game, <laughs> whatever you know what I mean. They're very competitive. Three number. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I said it right the first time, but um, you get a lot of you get these games that are very competitive. You just don't know the names of the players. Yeah. So I always appreciate watching these games because this is not like a uh, you know dress rehearsal. You go seventy five percent. You're kind of just lollygagging around. Like these guys get after it. And uh, it's always been a misconception uh, among fans about those last preseason games where like, oh, it doesn't matter. And it's like, oh, yes, it does. And if you go and watch these games, they play hard. You just don't know. They're not household names. They play really hard. So I expect a very, very physical game. Um, I expect a lot of running, uh, run game, run the football. Um, I expect a very, very high performance in special teams. I can see that happening. And then, uh, you know, where the roster shakes up afterwards, it's what it's going to be. It's such a drastic cut to go from 80 to 53. It's Oh, yes. And I, I've unfortunately been there where you start seeing the guys are in the locker, they're worrying, and then unfortunately, you know, the assistant comes and gets them, asks them to bring their playbook, and you, you kind of know, right? But it's uh, the good thing is that a lot of those guys, especially when you're on good team, right? The Saints are a good organization or a good team. A lot of those guys can find a home somewhere else because the teams that are striving to be as good as the Saints have been for so many years, they're like, you know, I, I want to take that guy off of their uh, program because they know what what the Saints are doing and they know they're coached well, taught well, et cetera. Yeah, the, the Saints culture, the way, the way of doing things. Um, a lot of the players, Betts talked about, you know, not only just trying to coach up the, the younger guys, but showing how the Saints would do it, the Saints way to do things. Right. Um, I know you've been a big part of playing for the Saints and that team and uh, there's the level of success that they're able to, to kind of get and what they ask of their players year in and year out is pretty high. And I know we're, I'm looking forward to this season for sure. Yeah, we all are. We all are. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an exciting time. Yes. And you'll be on the call this week against the Chargers. And then you got us week one in Atlanta. One. That's right. We're going to be in Atlanta. And uh don't know if Jameis is playing or not, uh, but Andy Dalton is obviously a very, very capable uh, backup. So, you know, Bullets will be live then. And it'll be an exciting time against an division opponent. So looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be a win for us. Yes. Yes. See, yeah. So you're still a saint. You you still, I mean, I yeah, guess it's on, unbiased on for TV broadcast purposes, but. <laughs> so, uh, on that day, I, I'm still a Saints fan, but I will not hesitate. If they stink, the Saints are stinking it up. Yeah. We will know. And everyone will know the Saints are stinking it up. So, you know, it's, it's actually fun calling the games because, you know, some of the fans, they don't recognize that. I'm never going to be biased on a Sunday calling the game. It, at the point, my job is to call the game, right, not right. to relive my Saints days <laughs> against Atlanta. And uh, it's so funny some of the messages I get in my Instagram. A little uh, sensitive, know, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
the fanatics for a reason. It makes sense that fans is short for fanatics because I get some funny messages, boy. <laughs> I bet. Well, I appreciate the time and the insight. It was awesome talking to you. Likewise, Aaron. See you Thursday or Friday. Yes. Looking forward to it. Appreciate Vilma for his time. You can catch him with Joel Myers, John Stinchcomb, and myself on the broadcast for the Saints preseason game against the Chargers, 7 o'clock this Friday on Fox 8. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.